Well, we're right in the middle of the series, um, Sticks and Stones, and we're talking about words and how, you know, that old adage is simply not true. Uh, sticks and stones have power, um, and they can do great harm or great good, depending on how we use them. Today, I want to talk about the other side of communication, of listening. Before I jump into that, though, let me just say real quickly that a deadline is approaching for our Holy, Holy Land trip in February. So if you've been putting it off and would like to go, we'd love to know. You can look, go to the website on the screen and let us know. If you've been hearing all the news and that's been scaring you away, let me just encourage you um, to not let that dissuade you because that's always kind of a part of the Middle East, and things change really rapidly, and I know that we're going to be safe um, there, and if we're not, we will uh, make other plans, and you won't have to worry about that, and you won't lose your money in the process either. So let me encourage you, though, to let us know by Tuesday, which is the deadline, um, if you'd like to be a part of that in February. It's a life-changing experience. So listening, uh, we talked about, my wife asked me regularly, like, what are you preaching this week? And when I said, well, listening, um, she may have chuckled under her breath a little bit. I'm just going to say, I'm not claiming to be like a professional listener or even good at listening. I think we all struggle. I think we all wrestle with communication and interpersonal skills. Um, what I really want to talk about today is more than just those techniques that help us listen in relationship with one another. I want to invite you to hear God's voice um, and to practice this presence of God that allows you to hear from God and respond to him and really know and discern his voice in your life. Um, because I think that the more that we know God's voice and the more that we hear his voice and the more that we obey his voice, as challenging as that can be, uh, the more that it shapes and forms our relationships. I mean, the more that we hear God's voice, the more that we obey him, the more we become like Jesus. I mean, guess what? Like, that actually makes a difference in our relationships in, with each other. The more Christ-like you are, uh, the more you're able to respond to everything that can come your way in relationships. Listening is a challenge, though. I mean, listening is part of communication and, and hearing the right, you know, we've talked about how words have power, uh, but it also falls upon us to hear the, the intention, not just the words. They're, it's easy to say, like, well, I've said this, and I've wished I could take it back, and if I could just take, I, it's not what I meant, right? We've all said that. But it's harder to hear the message and to forgive the inability of the communicator to relay the message in the right way. Um, and so uh, I, I found this clip as I, I just had to share it because it was hilarious. And I watched, when I watched it, it reminded me of so many conversations and how they go in our lives. And so um, as we kick off, I want you to take a look at this. First, there was PlayStation, a.k.a. PS1. Then there's PS2, PS3, and now PS4. And that makes sense. You'd think after Xbox, there'd be Xbox 2. But no. Next came Xbox 360. Hmm? And now, after 360, comes Xbox One. Why one? Maybe that's how many seconds of thought they put into naming it. Can you get the butter, please? Yeah. However, with the Xbox One, I can control my entire entertainment system using voice commands. Up until now, I've had to use Leonard. 
then get the other one. Pass the butter. Get, hang on. I don't feel like you're taking this dilemma seriously. Fine, Sheldon. You have my undivided attention. Okay, now, the PS4 is more angular and sleek looking. No way! It's true, but the larger size of the Xbox One may keep it from overheating. Well, you wouldn't want your gaming system to overheat. No, see, well, you absolutely would not. And furthermore, the Xbox One now comes with a Kinect included. Included? Yes. Not sold separately. You, although the PS4 uses cool new GDDR5 RAM, while the Xbox One is still using the conventional DDR3 memory. Why would they still be using DDR3? Are they nuts? <laughs> See, that's what I thought. But then they go and throw in an ES RAM buffer. Oh, wait a second. Who's that? The Xbox. You're kidding! No, I am not. This ES RAM buffer should totally bridge the 100 gigabit per second bandwidth gap between the two RAM types. This is a nightmare. How will you ever make a decision? See, I don't know. What should I do? Please pass the butter! <laughs> Anybody been there? Uh, I just, when I saw it, I had, I was like, that has to go in the sermon somehow. But, um, you know, we do, we do, we are challenged in communication, and there are, um, there are really uh, good resources to help us grow in our communication, our interpersonal communication. Um, I'm not going to go there today as much as I want to talk about hearing God and listening to God's voice. Um, and so it, if you, I encourage you to study things that help you with interpersonal communication. But again, if we hear God's voice and become more Christ-like, I think it addresses a lot of the challenges we face. Um, James writes about this in James chapter 1, which is kind of going to be the key verse of, our, of our, our talk this morning. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So if I had to give you a quick and easy right... This would be pretty good. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But, well, maybe not easy, but to the point, right? And he goes on in verse 21, he says, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So what we're talking about, what James is talking about, is trading one thing for another. It is trading, uh, trading something and trading up in the way that we, even in the way that we hear, in the way that we communicate, we have to make a choice to trade one way of thinking for another, one way of communicating for another. Um, Craig Rochelle wrote a, a book that uh, I read recently. It's a brand new book that I love. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. And in it, he talks about all of the things that we, that we hear, not just from others, uh, but from ourselves as well. 
What, what are the voices in our head? What are the things that we tell ourselves? What are the things, the words that are not even coming from external voices, but oftentimes it's in here that we tell ourselves, that we believe about ourselves, that we are uh, in a rut, as he says. So I want you to think about ruts and trenches today. You know the difference between a rut and a trench? Well, a rut is, is not intentional. A rut is when, um, when something, when a divot has, or, or, or a rut has been created, oftentimes by a car, um, there's a rut that's created that, that's not even intentional and over time becomes a problem that has to be fixed. A trench, on the other hand, is something that is built intentionally to deliver certain resources that are helpful to fix a problem. So a rut is there. You know, I, I read re, uh, that, that in Alaska, there are these long stretches of road in the snow where ruts are, are, are formed, where cars drive, and it's the only place you can drive. And there are even signs that warn you, for the next 60 miles, you will be in this rut. And so be prepared. Now, in life, I think sometimes that's how life feels. We, we get in a rut, and we don't realize why we're in the rut. We don't know how to get out of the rut, and we've talked ourselves into thinking that we're always going to be in that rut, and there's no other way to live. We've become accustomed to a certain way of life or a certain thinking about life that has shaped us that is not actually true. Um, it's kind of like um, Groeschelle tells the story of Max the dog. Now, maybe you've had a dog like Max. Max was this little dog that his owners, you know, put one of those invisible fences on him. Uh, so they had an invisible fence. They didn't put the invisible fence on him. They put hit the, the, the collar on him. You know what I meant, right? And so they put the fence out there. You guys know what I'm talking about. And he couldn't um, cross this line. You know, he did. He crossed the line the first time, and it buzzed him. And he shocked. You know, he was shocked. And then he started to learn over time that he couldn't pass that certain point in the yard. And so what he would do is he was one of those little yippy dogs. You know the yippy dogs, right? That everything that walked by, the neighbor would walk down the street and all the way down the street. And then the kid, you know, the neighborhood kids would always mock him because they knew he couldn't come across this line. So they'd just stand there and mock him and he would just get all riled up. But Max would run back and forth across this one little spot in the yard because he believed that he couldn't go across the line. And pretty soon there was a rut there that was formed. And he would run in that one spot all the time in and not knowing that, you know, I don't know, some kid had crossed the line and gotten zapped himself, and so the neighbors complained, and the neighbors took the collar off the dog. The dog wasn't wearing the collar anymore, but he was convinced over time that he couldn't go past that point. And sometimes life is like that. Sometimes we find ourselves in a rut that we've created, and we're convinced that we can't get out of it. And we tell ourselves things that are defeating a trench, on the other hand, when we replace a rut for a trench, we're, we're bringing resources that God wants us to experience life and to get us out of the rut, but also to, to help us to walk into life in the way that he has called us to. The first thing we have to do is identify those ruts, and then we begin to trade them for trenches of God's word into our heart. This is what James is talking about when he talks about getting rid of all the things of this world and embracing still the word that you've been planted in. And how do you do that? Well, first you have to identify what are the ruts that you are stuck in or what are the ways of thinking 
that are convincing you that things that are not true actually are true. Um, we, re- we, in our own marriage, we recognize this and the way that we respond to conversations, it differs sometimes. Um, early in our marriage, about two or three years into our marriage, we were living, we had moved to a new house. We were, uh, I was going to seminary. And so we went, we, we had moved into a new house and we were fixing the house up. And one day we decided we were going to paint. Sounded like a fun afternoon together for my wife anyway. And so we, um, we decided to paint together and we were painting for a couple of hours and I just recognized like it had been silent. Like we were just there and we were painting and it was such a peaceful kind of time and I rec- like it felt good to me. And then my wife, she looked at me, Jacqueline looked at me and she said, is something wrong with you? Is something wrong with us? I'm like, no, what do you mean? No. She's like, why? I I said, why? And she said, well, we've been sitting here for a couple of hours and you haven't said one word to me. You must be thinking all sorts of things. You're mad at me. You don't want to tell me. You don't want to do this. I'm like, I was. I was thinking how wonderful it was that we could be in the same room and not have to talk. And that wasn't awkward. And we had this moment where we we realized we were from different planets, right? And we were thinking about the same scenario in different ways and interpreting things. And we began to kind of name this as magical thinking, right? You play out a scenario in your head. And one little thing is said, and you interpret it a certain way. And you hear something that wasn't really said. And you play out a conversation in your mind. Well, she said this, so she must have meant that. And that must mean that she's really thinking this. And if she said that, then I would say this back and I would be ready. And pretty soon we've played out a fight in our heads, right? And we haven't even had a fight. And all of a sudden we're mad at each other because of a fight that actually didn't happen, right? You ever been there? Can I get an amen from the crowd? Yes. Okay. This is identifying a rut that you can, can identify so that you can choose another way of communicating, another way of listening. And part of listening and hearing God is identifying the ruts that we find ourselves in and the things that we tell ourselves and the things that we do that cloud our ability to hear God's voice. Um, Jesus said that when we follow him, when we follow him, we begin to hear his voice and we begin to respond to his voice. In John 10, it says, uh, Jesus says, I assure you, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber for a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because what? Because they recognize his voice. How are you tuning your ears to recognize the voice of the shepherd and to follow him? They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. You see, the key is to begin to develop the skill of hearing the voice of God. But oftentimes, the reason we don't hear God's voice is because we've shut him out. 
Or maybe sometimes we've thought that God wouldn't actually talk to us or wouldn't be interested in the daily affairs of our life. Um, I, you know, anybody else with me over the past year or so, we've watched at our house a lot of old movies. Like our, our go-to seem to be like 80s and 90s movies. I'm not going to tell you all the ones that we watch because some of them I watched with my kids and I was like, why did I watch this with my kids? I don't remember that part in this movie. <laughs> anybody, anybody been there? And so we, one, of the, one of the movies that I remember kind of from that uh, was mid-90s, I think it was called The American President. Remember The American President? And Sydney Allen Wade is a the character in the movie, and she is uh, she is one of the uh, she is a lobbyist in Washington, and she's in uh, the the I think she's in the Oval Office, but she's in a meeting, and she is just on a tirade talking bad about the president and all of how he's terrible politician and all of this stuff. She doesn't realize that he's walked in the room behind her. And he's listening to her go on and on and on and spew all this stuff. And when she turns around and realizes he's in the room, the shock on her face, she is convinced that she has just ended her political career. And so she goes home and she's talking to her friend on the phone and her friend is consoling her. And she's like, this is the worst day of my political, of my professional life and I'll never recover from this. And she's just going on and on and on and somebody beeps in and she answers the phone and it's the president on the line. And if you remember in the movie, it took him about five minutes to figure out how to make a phone call because he'd never had to make a phone call to a regular person. But he finally does reach her and he's actually enamored by her because of her feistiness in that scene. And he is interested in her being a widower. He had reached out to her uh, and was wanted to ask her on a date. Now, when she hears, you know, this is Andrew Shepard, President of the United States, and I'd like to talk to Sidney Allen Wade, and she's like convinced that one of her other friends that heard about this incident is now playing a practical joke on her. So remember what she does? She like goes off again and then hangs up the phone on the President of the United States to make matters worse, right? But I wonder how many of us, the same is true in our relationship with God. John Wesley said uh, that the more that you decline or or the more that you, you choose not to obey God's voice when you do hear God's voice, the less you will be able to hear God's voice. The more that we choose not to do what God has called us or has told us or through the prompting of the Holy Spirit is teaching us and telling us to do, The more that we neglect that, the less we will hear his voice in the future. And so really, while it is sometimes hard for us to recognize God's voice, the easiest way to grow in our ability to hear from God is to obey in the little things day by day. Identify those ruts and replace them with trenches of God's truth and obey God, and you will begin to form a habit of hearing his voice and knowing and discerning like the sheep do, the shepherd. First thing I think we need to do for us today, like we're in a unique day and time, 
And what I see is I think about how do, what are the ruts that most people find themselves in and what are some trenches that we could choose instead? One of them is to replace the rut of endless hurry with the trench of intentional rhythm. The rut of endless hurry with the trench of intentional rhythm. Friends, our world is out of control, really, at the pace that we live. And now here, I'm not trying to put more guilt on you for your responsibilities that you have to take care of. I hope that was God. <laughs> she's never, she's so embarrassed right now. Um, but there's this endless hurry in our lives. You were looking up the Foundry podcast, right? That's what was going on. Okay. She was sending me. Okay. Thank you, honey. I, when I get distracted, I'm sorry. When I get distracted. Um, but there's this rut of endless hurry that we find ourselves in that we have to trade in for a trench of intentional rhythm. And I'm not trying to put more guilt on you because I know that we have a lot of things that we're responsible for and we're going and you're like, if I could ever catch up here, let me encourage you to think about this. One of the lies that I think we have bought into is the lie that we can do everything 100% all the time, the lie of balance that you can be 100% invested in your family and 100% invested professionally and 100% invested in the church and 100% invested in the community. And, and you have all of these things that you feel like you've got to be the best at all the time. And I do not believe this is how God has wired us to live. Let me just encourage you in that. I think all of those things are important, and I think you can be a witness in all of those areas, but you have to realize that there are rhythms in life, and some of the rhythm, rhythms have to do with seasons of life. In fact, the Greek, there are two words for time. There's chronos time that's consistent. There's 24 hours in a day. There's seven days in a week, and, and, and the sun goes around, uh, the earth goes around the sun, the moon, you know what I meant, right? You guys are like, what an idiot. Um, there's this consistency, there's chronos time that we measure on our clocks. There's kairos time where there are moments when the Holy Spirit does things in different ways, in different rhythms of life. That's why God gives us a Sabbath, because there is a rhythm to the week, and one day a week, we need to hit reset. We need to invite the Spirit to renew us, to make us new again, to overcome the six days of what it took six days to tear down. There are rhythms that you create in your month. There are rhythms that you create in your year. Here, here's an example of maybe what it would look like for some of us. Let's say that you knew there was a huge project at work that was going to require a lot of your time and attention and energy, and you weren't going to be able to focus on your family as much for a season. Wouldn't it be better to talk to your family about that, to invite your kids into that and say, you know what, for the next month or so, I'm going to be really busy. I'm going to have to work late. I'm going to be in more meetings. I'm going to be on the phone a lot, and I'm going to be kind of consumed with this project, but, but it's going to end at this time, and, and here's the deal. If you can bear with me for that season of time, then at the end of that project, we're going to go on a vacation, and I'm going to turn my phone off, 
And I'm going to focus wholly on you as a family. Now all of a sudden your kids, if you have kids, they're all excited like about the vacation and they're waiting. And when you're not as available through that month or two, now I'm not saying neglect all your responsibilities, but you know what I mean. You're pouring into that area for a season. This is a rhythm that you create that overcomes this rut of constant hurry all the time. Replace the rut of lies with a trench of God's truth. My kids are going off to college, two of them, in the fall. It's a great, I mean, it's a season of transition. It, I used to just think, it, like, parents sending their kids to college, you know, like, just deal with it. Like, God made them God made them to separate from you, right? And now that I'm experiencing it myself, it has, it's a whole different thing to experience it yourself. And, you know, one of the things that I've just been reminded of lately is a verse that we actually taught the kids when they were little. You know, and this verse has been a verse, a trench of truth that God has been reminding me of lately, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And that's been God's reminder to me and there are moments when I have to catch myself falling into a rut, and I have to remind myself, and God is laying this trench of truth back into my mind and my heart to remind me of his, his constant presence with me and that he is the God of peace and the God of wholeness, that he has not given us a spirit of fear, that that fear is oftentimes, um, that, that it's oftentimes built on lies instead of God's truth. This is replacing a rut with a trench of God's truth. So what, how do you remember God's word so that in those moments you can claim God's truth over the lies of this world? Replace the rut of constant noise with a trench of silence. Now, friend, like, let me just tell you, this is not, like, silence for me is not, we've laughed, like, on my sabbatical, like, I'm supposed to be still and silent. I'm like, you, so you mean, like, I'm supposed to go fishing or something? Like, I've got to do something, right? I mean, I've got to find something to do. That's just how I'm wired. But there are seasons of, of rhythm of silence is important to remove the noise, the white noise that prevents us from hearing God's voice. Um, and, and again, this is a rhythm. So I'm not a neuroscientist, but uh, there are um, studies that show that our brain, brains function, the wave links in our brains operate at different uh, levels. And so like sleeping, they're at the lowest and then if you're actively involved in high-level decisions and tasks and, you know, running the kids all around or engaged in, a, in an intense business meeting, you're operating up here at this tactical kind of level. And then somewhere in the middle is, uh, in the spectrum, are, is this creative range. That if you're doing something creative, 
That's why you, you need the right music on, right, to do something creative, or you need to block certain noises out so that you can be creative. Listen, this is where God speaks most often. It's not when you're sleeping, and it's not when you're at a frantic pace. It is in this creative middle space. And so if you're only going from sleeping to running and running and running and running, you're never actually living in the space where God can and will speak to you in a way or you're not allowing yourself to listen and to hear his voice. And so you've got to get rid of that rut of constant noise and replace it with the trench of silence. Robert's our tech guy, and we've talked recently about all this wireless connection, um, all the wireless equipment in the room. Sometimes we have a hard time. If you hear something that sounds a little off, sometimes it's because there's a frequency issue. I didn't realize this. But we're a lot of times competing with other frequencies. It might be the fire department. It might be the radio station. And the frequencies are too close together. And actually, one person advised us that what you can do is if you want to lock down a frequency so that it's pure and available on Sunday is you can send white noise through it all through the week so that when we come in on Sunday, we turn that white noise off and that's, that channel's clear because nobody else has been able to use it during the week. It's kind of a trick to do that. But when I heard this, I thought immediately like that's what the hurry and the rush and the noise of our lives does. It sends white noise through the frequency that God wants to communicate it through uh, to us through. And so I'm encouraging us to think about the ways that we individually through maybe the summer months is a great time to do this, to create a rhythm, to be intentional, to hear God's voice and to, to follow where he leads, not to neglect his voice, not just individually though, but also as a church, it's what I hope for us, that we together and that, that me this summer, that's my hope is to really to hear God's voice more clearly and to know and for us to know together where he is leading us and, and individually and as a church to fulfill his purpose for us. That's my prayer for us. Let, let me invite you just to bow your heads. I know it's been a busy year. I know it's been a, a hectic year, a stressful year. And I wanna just invite you to, um, to invite God to speak to you. I don't know what you face. I don't know what silence looks like for you or stillness or the rhythm that God is calling you into. Or I don't know what your life looks like, but I know these things are true. That we find ourselves often in ruts. And I, I want to invite you just to consider the ways that God might have been revealing those ruts to you even this morning. And I want to invite you to replace them with some trenches for his good word to come into your heart. To listen to the shepherd. To listen to his direction, even his correction to focus on being obedient to what you already know. It can be a simple prayer right now. Maybe for some of us, the prayer is, God speak, I don't know how to hear your voice. 
Will you show yourself to me? I invite you just to, I invite you to invite God to do that. And God, I pray over us right now. I pray that you would speak and I pray that, Lord, our ears would be open to hear you and our hearts would be ready and willing to obey you. Lord, we ask for you to, to direct our path. We thank you that you love us and that you've called us your own. And God, as we respond to what you are saying to us this morning, we pray that it would not just be a moment here in a worship service, but that it would change our lives as we leave this place. That you'd help us to build those trenches where your word begins to become a firmer foundation for our lives. So God, we ask you to speak. We are ready to respond. It's in your name we pray.